You're listening to GP Works, the podcast for and about general practice from the Irish College of General Practitioners. I'm Aileen O'Mara and with me today is Dr. Katerina Kacharets, a Ukrainian GP who is the ICGP HSE lead in the Ukrainian healthcare response. Welcome to GP Works, Katerina. Hi Aileen, thank you for having me today. It's almost a year now to the day since the invasion of Ukraine. Mm. You were living here in Ireland when that happened. Tell me how you came to Ireland. Uh, so I, I'm originally from Kiev, Ukraine, and I came to Ireland a little over six years ago to do my intern year here in Dublin in St. Vincent's Hospital. And uh, then I stayed here to do my GP training through the Midlands scheme in Nace and Tullamore. And then up until the Russian invasion of Ukraine, I was working as a GP in Tallaght. What prompted you to come to Ireland? Because I know you trained in Poland. Did you not think, oh, I'll stay in Poland? What, what urged you to come mm-hmm. here? Well, I did my training through English. So I wanted to practice medicine. Try, I wanted to try practicing medicine in an English-speaking country. And Ireland was one of my top choices. And I was delighted to get an offer to do an intern year here. And then I never looked back. <laughs> so it must have been very different, was it, uh, for you? It is a different healthcare system. It's much different to the Polish healthcare system and to the Ukrainian one. But uh, I think at this point I got used to it. And in fact, I never actually practiced medicine in Ukraine. So I can only compare the Polish and the Ukrainian healthcare systems, really. So you were working as a GP when the war broke out on the 24th of February a year ago. Tell me how the war changed your life. So I I think what happened a year ago on the 24th of February 2022 was absolutely shocking to to everyone and to every Ukrainian in the world. And um, I woke up that morning, I still remember it, how I woke up to a map of air raid sirens um, that went out all over Ukraine. And the state of shock, fear for the loved ones, fear for my family, that's what I felt at the beginning. Um, And then as weeks went on, I started accepting the new terrible reality and trying to think what I can do to help. And before the war, we were a free country, we were a democracy, we were paying a lot of attention to our education and culture. And uh, we we, we really never expected a full-scale war, so it came came as a shock to everyone. But... um, In response to the invasion, as a group of Ukrainian doctors, we started this humanitarian campaign called Medical Help Ukraine, because we anticipated a lot of need for medical and surgical equipment um, for for Ukrainian healthcare professionals. And then it's around the same time that I that I got an offer to work as a GP lead for the ICGP in the in the Ukrainian response. So before we get to the ICGP lead role, just tell me a bit more about Medical Help Ukraine, because in the first few months, definitely, it just took off, didn't it, really? Tell me about the other uh, doctors that worked with you on that. And and you travelled to Ukraine, didn't you? Or to the border, anyway. We we did travel to to the border a couple of times, and we we were a group of doctors from Ukraine, who are all from Ukraine originally. And this campaign was a bit of a reactive campaign. It was an emergency response to what was happening. So we were, um, we launched a GoFundMe campaign to try to gather funds um, to buy equipment, to buy supplies, disposables, to buy ambulance cars to send over to Ukraine to help our Ukrainian colleagues who were struggling because all of the supply chains were disrupted in the country and uh, Ukraine 
did rely a lot on the Western help and, and still does. And uh, our campaign, um, I feel, was hugely successful as an emergency response. But now that we're into the chronic phase and we need to start thinking more about rebuilding hospitals and about long-term projects, we decided to close the campaign. And as doctors, we all have full-time jobs and we all do what we can. But, uh, but that campaign was, was an emergency. And it was successful. You know, I mean, you brought a lot of a lot of medical supplies over, didn't you? Well, it's baby steps, but we but we did do what we could, and uh, we were so so thankful to everyone who donated, and people were extremely generous and kind, and it's only because of them that we could help Ukrainians. So then the ICGP role uh, happened. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. So about. A month after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it became apparent that we are expecting a large influx of the forcibly displaced Ukrainians into Ireland. And to date, um, Ireland welcomed over 74,000 Ukrainians, I think. Uh, so that this figure is actually projected to double by the end of this year if the arrivals remain the same as they are right now. Um, that this has put the Irish healthcare system under a lot of strain and uh, I was invited to join the, a, lo- a couple of HSE strategic committees planning the healthcare response and uh, migrant health challenges are very very difficult to overcome because of the unpredictability of the situation because we never know what's going to come in the, in, in the next few months in the next few weeks and uh, people are still coming into the country And we definitely need more people to lead and to manage this response and general practice, especially in primary care, will form such an important part of the response in in this crisis, because this is the first part of contact for most people who are coming in here. And um, not to mention the uneven geographical distribution of the Ukrainian arrivals. Um, A lot of them are concentrated in areas of West and North County Dublin, in Kerry, in North Clare, and in the Midland towns of um, Tillamore and Athlone. And as well as working clinically with Ukrainians in one of the very busy migrant centers in City West, as I mentioned, I've been very lucky to be involved in a couple of strategic national HSE and ICGP committees to plan further services for Ukrainians. And it's been a great opportunity and we've learned a lot in the last year. And uh, from working with beneficiaries of temporary protection from Ukraine, many would have endured very physically and emotionally difficult journeys to get here to Ireland. And uh, one of the first priorities for them when they're coming here aside from getting accommodation, shelter, food, and their basic needs covered, would be finding a GP and getting their primary care needs addressed. So that this this facilitation of access to health care for the migrant population will definitely form a very important part of their experience in Ireland and play a huge role in that traumatic time. Because, as you say, they're coming from a war zone. They've Mm -hmm. had a traumatic journey to come here. Mm -hmm. Uh, There must be physical as well as mental health issues that you have to deal with, aren't there? Many would have been trapped in their homes uh, for months because they couldn't leave. uh, They couldn't safely leave their apartments, their buildings. Um, And really now 
that we're coming into the chronic phase, we see a lot more of mental health presentations than we did before because people are incredibly resilient and they will not ask for mental health supports on the first day of arrival, but we do anticipate the need and we do plan for that need. But people, I, I can't emphasize that enough, they are incredibly resilient and especially after what they've been through, um, it's it's just astonishing what uh, how strong they are mm. and what they can endure. So amongst the many who have come here are Ukrainian doctors and nurses, medical personnel. Mm. Tell me how you're working with them. So as as you rightly said, since the beginning of the war, a lot of Ukrainian doctors came to Ireland seeking temporary protection. And the HSE opened a registration page for them. And to date, nearly 300 of them registered and expressed their interest in getting registered with the Medical Council and working here, and they declared their level of English proficiency, um, their primary specialty, their level of experience, and also their current locations within Ireland. The the HSE has also put them in in contact with uh, postgraduate training bodies like the RCSI, the RCPI, ICGP, and... um, they did give, give them specific instructions for the medical council engagement. Um, Ukrainian doctors also got free access to HSC land and HSC library. So while they're getting registered and while they're studying for their qualification exams, they can maintain their uh, CPD points and all of the all of the professional knowledge. And um, for for many doctors from Ukraine, getting the necessary uh, level of English proficiency is the main challenge and many of them are engaging in language courses through uh, private tutors, uh, language schools, um, special courses, uh, but it is it is a very big challenge and uh, especially for the older doctors because English is definitely a second language for all of us but they wouldn't have studied it in, in school or in university. And we know that some of the younger doctors have been employed as translators and other medical personnel, like healthcare workers in hospitals and or primary care centers. And those positions don't necessarily require medical council registration. But the HSE is definitely exploring the potential of expanding those roles and helping doctors get more clinical exposure to to develop and and to develop these opportunities for them. There's um, a special dedicated page on the Medical Council website. I think it's medicalcouncil.ie slash Ukraine with very detailed specific instructions on how to get registered here in Ireland when you have a non-EU qualification. And um, also as Minister for Health, uh, Stephen Donnelly announced uh, back in December, uh, some of the financial supports have been granted to Ukrainian doctors to take language exams and medical exams. Um, and the web, the website, the portal has been launched called theregpath.ie. Um, and this is for clinical English language uh, courses and supports for Ukrainian doctors, which is funded by the government. And to date, over half of the Ukrainian doctors that we know are in Ireland have registered their interest to um, to engage with, with these language courses and to improve their English and to study for language exams. 
So what's the ICGP doing in that regard? So the ICGP has offered a free associated membership to all Ukrainian GPs for a year. And we're hoping that if they do decide to get registered in Ireland, we would welcome them into the Irish general practice very, very soon. They have also attended a couple of um, ICGP conferences in the last year, and uh, we've been very, very lucky to have them there. And I really do empathize with my Ukrainian GP colleagues, and I know it's very hard for them to to adjust to a new healthcare system, and I will continue supporting them in every way I can. Is it really different, the Ukrainian healthcare system, to the Irish healthcare system, in terms of general practice? It is different because in Ukraine, the healthcare system is largely focused around secondary care. So it's all around specialist care. And we did record a podcast on that not so long ago, where where I went into detail on, on all the differences. But it is different in that regard. It's not necessarily very different in terms of the protocols. Um, but I suppose general practice in Ukraine is not as developed as it is in other European countries. So it's it's a big a big adjustment for them. And then learning English, as you say, that's learning, a big challenge. Le- learning English is a big challenge because at least two-thirds of them uh, on the, the HSE questionnaire self-declared that they would not necessarily have the, the good enough level of English to practice medicine in Ireland. Katya, what lessons have been learned in the past year in relation to the management of this huge migrant health crisis and how the Irish Health Service has responded? We have definitely learned a lot in the last 12 months. The Ukrainian crisis was uh, absolutely unexpected for all of the European countries. And um, for Ireland, this was such an emergency response. A lot of a lot of things were very reactive in the first couple of weeks. Even the, the one-stop shop that's been set up in the Dublin airport and then later in City West. And it was great to see how everyone came together, all of the services like the disability services, um, social care, um, primary care, the HSC. And uh, it's kind of, it, it reminded me a little bit of the COVID times when when we were faced with a challenge and everyone came together and worked together to deliver, even even though it wasn't perfect because in an emergency it can't be perfect but uh, but everyone it was amazing how everyone worked together and the irish people are incredibly kind and helpful and supportive towards ukrainians and i think now that we're into the chronic case and we have a little bit more time to look back and think what we can do better plan ahead because we know that we're expecting more and more people to arrive this is definitely going to improve our response so what lessons do you think have been learned in the past 12 months? I think definitely mental health is one of the lessons that we've learned. That uh, in the first wave of arrivals, we were expecting more mental health presentations than we actually got. And uh, and we're, we're, we're faced with an influx uh, right now when, when people are more settled. This, this is one of the lessons. The second lesson is getting people to access primary care. Uh, We're in the middle of a GP crisis in Ireland. There's no easy solution for this. We can't easily accommodate 74,000 people and get everyone perfect GP access. And that's why uh, we have a lot of pop-up migrant health clinics, uh, mobile clinics, and clinics that are run by GPs in migrant health care centers like City West and hotels in Limerick and Cork. 
Uh, so this is another this is another emergency response that we have learned from, and there's the GP framework, where um, it's a it's a very detailed framework of how to provide services to Ukrainians for GPs, how to register them onto their GMS lists, what what the PCRS is going to do, and I do encourage GPs who are treating Ukrainians to have a look at it. Accommodation obviously is very important, mm. and and stable accommodation is very important. It is it is is an issue at the moment, we know, for a lot of the new arrivals. Absolutely, and unstable accommodation is presenting continuity of care risks for Ukrainian patients, including chronic disease management and access to uh, routine secondary care, like outpatient appointments and. Um, we know that the ICGP has recently advertised and filled a post for the postgraduate fellowship in migrant and refugee health, and this will also aim to develop patient-centered evidence-based training materials for GPs that are specifically there to address the needs of the migrant population, and this is one of the most vulnerable patient groups, so we definitely need to focus on that. And uh, I think over time, those Ukrainians who do decide to stay in the country will be a great asset to the Irish workforce and to their local communities. And they'll also contribute to the cultural mix in many areas and possibly develop their local businesses, brands and educational centers. So there is a bright side to all of this. And a lot of the children are settled into the schools and making friends. And so, and as you say, already Ukrainian people are Many are working here and mm. they're integrating in the communities. So while the pressure is mm. intense, there are a lot of positives as well. There are a lot of positives and many of them will go back to Ukraine and maybe some of the lessons that they've learned while they were here in Ireland will be very useful for us in Ukraine when we're after po- post in, in the post-war Ukraine when we're rebuilding the country. Um Catch as a Ukrainian in Ireland, and obviously, you know, watching your country being um, invaded by by a huge uh, power, and a very difficult time for everybody who is Ukrainian. What does the future hold? I think in Ukraine, for the first time in many years, we are at a turning point in our history, and we have an opportunity to heal our post-Soviet wounds and to build a European future that we want to live in. And to do this, we're using everything that's available to us and overcoming our biggest fears and stereotypes. And I I'm, I don't like when people are victimizing Ukraine in all of this because we are fighters, we are brave, we're fighting for our freedom. It is incredibly difficult and we we do get moments where where we might lose hope a little bit, but but we always keep fighting because freedom is such a core value to all Ukrainians. Um, like all things, this this will come to an end and we'll start rebuilding our country um, to, to a better standard. It has been, I think it's been an education for everybody, this war. Uh, people who never heard of Ukraine before or mm-hmm. knew where it was on the map but knew very little else have learned a huge amount in the past year because mm-hmm. it's in the news all the time and have begun to meet Ukrainians like yourself mm-hmm. and other people around the country so it has been learning for everybody hasn't it? Uh, it, it definitely has been and in a way I'm glad that more people know about Ukraine right now 
and I would like to thank everyone from the bottom of my heart for supporting Ukraine in the last year. For everyone, I'd like to thank everyone who's been involved in helping Ukrainians who have come here. And uh, thank you for your support. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for all the help. I know it couldn't have been easy. And we are hopefully not going to disappoint, disappoint Europe in, uh, in years ahead. Thank you to Dr. Katerina Kacharets for joining me on this episode of GP Works. You can subscribe to GP Works wherever you get your podcasts and do share with your colleagues. We've lots more episodes on our channel and fresh ones coming regularly. You can follow the college on Twitter at ICGP News and stay updated with the college's work on its website, icgp.ie. I'm Aileen O'Mara and thanks for listening.